All right. Well, hello. Happy Wednesday. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Liz Jans. I am married to Josh. We are the youth pastors here at Church of Briargate. Um, we've been here a little over 10 years now, which is pretty wild. Um, we were baby children when we got here, fresh out of college. Um, and it's been cool. It's been a really cool experience to be able to grow and learn. And um, we have two little kids. Uh, they're wild. And they're outside. You can probably find them pretty easily. Um, and we're the youth pastors here, and we really love what we get to do. Um, we love being the youth pastors, working with teenagers. Um, we're both ordained ministers with the Assemblies of God. So I know Pastor Scott a couple weeks ago talked about ordained ministers and women in ministry and stuff. So both of us are ordained. Both of us have been called individually to ministry, um, which relates a little bit to what I'm preaching about tonight. Um, and then I'm also a licensed professional counselor and a licensed school counselor. So right now during the week, I work part-time in an elementary school, um, giving hugs, loving on elementary babies, and then I do uh, private practice therapy too. So um, tonight, I want to talk about what your impact is. And I don't know if I want to sit down or stand up, so we're going to do a little bit of both. Um, so I want you to think about the word impact and maybe what that means for you. And I think sometimes when we think about the word impact, we might think about a person. Maybe we think about an event. Maybe it's a positive impact or a negative impact. But the word impact can have a lot of significance. When we think about our own impact, we think about what we can do to impact others. Sometimes we have doubts that fill our minds. Sometimes we have dreams, unaccomplished dreams that fill our minds. But I want to tell you about two men that had an impact on my life. And I want to lead with a question of what do you want to leave others with? When you're gone, what do you want others to say that you did or how you made them feel? I have a professor named Garland Owensby, and he passed away um, at the beginning of this summer. And it really hit me really, really hard. It was at um, Southwestern Assemblies of God University down in Waxahachie. Um, and he passed away, and the outpouring online that I saw for him was incredible. I know for me personally, I mean, I remember sitting in his office before Josh and I graduated, and I, if you don't know, I was called to ministry by the Lord at 16. My parents divorced when I was 15. Jesus very clearly called me to teenagers when I was 16 years old, and so I was very convinced that I was going to be the female youth pastor, but here I had married a youth pastor, and so I was processing, this is the job I thought I would always have, Man, this is, the, this is the job that I was supposed to have, and now my husband's going to have it. What do I do? I tied this call to a job. And so I remember Josh and I both sitting in Owensby's office and processing, like, hey, what are my other marketable skills? <laughs> like, how else could I market myself so that I could also have a job? Because literally my degree, my actual undergrad degree is in youth ministry. My husband's is in church ministry. Um, and so it's cool that we get to do youth ministry together. But there was a couple years, especially after we moved here, that I had to process, what do I do? And I remember Garland Owensby so clearly leading us through that so clearly impacting us, impacting the way I saw my own calling, impacting the way um, I saw what my job and my worth was in ministry. Um, he taught others. He impacted others. He made a real difference in the lives of others. And there were students from across the nation 
students that were in college, kids that had been at youth camps that he had spoke at, speaking up, saying, man, Garland Owensby made a difference in my life. And I will never forget that. I'll never forget that impact. Another question that I would want to ask you is, how do you want God to use you right now? Outside of what's going to happen, what others are going to say when you're gone, how do you want God to use you right now? How do you want to make people feel right now? Matt Baumgartner was my youth pastor. He became my youth pastor when I was 15 years old, maybe a little earlier, but I refused to go to youth group before then. And he wore me down, and I came to youth group. And I remember the impact that that man had on my life. Whenever I realized I was called to ministry and I revealed that to him, our whole relationship went into this beautiful mentoring relationship. He trusted me. He challenged me. He pushed me to new levels. He told me that I was going to preach, and I told him, no, I wasn't. He told me that I was going to work with middle schoolers, and I said, no, I'm not. Middle schoolers are silly. And I spent the last three years of my life as a middle school counselor absolutely loving it. And every time I talk to him about it, he laughs at me a little bit. He took me on as an intern. He performed our wedding. I remember sitting in his office, and uh, Josh and I had been dating. He had met Josh quite a few times. And um, we asked him, we said, Matt, we love you. We care about you. Would you perform our wedding? And through tears, he was like, of course I will. Absolutely. And so Matt led us through some beautiful times. There was a situation before we came here in ministry um, where we questioned if youth ministry was even the thing. We literally almost didn't become youth pastors because we were in a situation, um, it was really just not a healthy situation. And we were very abruptly excused from that youth ministry. We had done nothing wrong. We apparently just weren't the youth pastors that they thought we would be because we were children. And um, that was our last youth service one night. And I remember the very next week, the very next day actually, calling Matt and telling him what happened. And he said, Come to, fa- come to dinner or to lunch with my family and I after church on Sunday. We're going to talk about this. And he took myself and my husband. Josh and I weren't even married at the time. He took us both under his wing. And he made sure that that call on our lives was not forgotten because of what had happened. He made sure that the hurt that impacted us was not something that was gone because he saw that in us. And he challenged us. And he was like, I'm not going to let you not do this. And he made such an impact. Effectively, he is actually the reason why we're still in ministry today. And a few years ago, we got to take um, a missions trip to Wyoming, to New Life Church in Laramie, Wyoming, where he is the senior pastor. And I got to stand in front of our students that are, were you guys on that trip? Wesley was, Dylan was. I got to stand in front of these guys, and I got to say, this man right here is the reason that I am your youth pastor today. Because if it wasn't for this man right here, we would have not been in ministry at all. And so every time I call him, every time I talk about him, every time I need something, I know that I can count on him. And I know that I know that he trusts me. And I know that he chose to have an impact on my life when he didn't have to. And at this point, he's been in my life for 17 years, and I can still pick up the phone and call him. And I can still say, Matt, I'm having a hard time with this. Can we talk about it? He's still my youth pastor. And I'm into my 30s, and it doesn't matter. And he is the reason that, as youth pastors, we tell our students, I don't care how old you are. You could be 85. I'll still be your youth pastor. Because I get to see a living example of that every day. His impact on my life. 
Maybe you can think of someone who made a lasting impact on your life. Maybe it was a teacher or a coach or a church leader or a friend. I want you to think, what did they do that changed your life? Were they there for you when they went through a hard time? Did they push you to achieve your goal? Did they encourage you to dream and cast vision for your future? You see, as Christians, it can be so easy to go through life knowing that we're saved, knowing that um, we're doing good things. And we feel like we've done it. We feel like we've accomplished all of the purpose that God has for us. Oh, yeah. I read my Bible. I'm good. Going to heaven. That's all. But man, God doesn't want our apathetic faith. He doesn't want us to be in a place where we're like, yep, I read my Bible every day and it's wonderful. Me, myself, and I have a great relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want our apathetic faith. He doesn't want our complacency. What's the point of following God and being impacted by God if we refuse to reciprocate that impact? And I'll even say to this point that if we are really so full of God, how can we live our lives without impacting others? How can we live our lives without overflowing his presence and overflowing his power into the lives of others and into those that he's called us to impact? Another issue I've seen as a part of the whole church nationwide is that sometimes we focus on people getting saved, but there's little to no follow-up. I remember in college I attended... Um, if you know, are you familiar with Mike Barber Ministries? He does prison ministries. And I attended a women's prison, women's hobby unit in Waco, Texas. And we got to go in and pray with inmates and things like that. And I remember specifically this woman telling a guard, I'm going to make you pray the prayer. And I thought, yeah, that's cool. But who's going to follow up with that guy? We're going to go in and we're going to pray with these inmates. And who's going to follow up with them? Who's going to make sure that they have someone to lead them and guide them through their life, lead them and guide them through the relationship with Jesus? And sometimes with the people around us, we're so quick to say, man, I want you to pray that prayer. I want you to love Jesus. I want you to be dedicating your life to him. But what does that look like in the long term? Are we willing as Christians to go the long term for the people that we're impacting? Are we willing to put in the hard work? Or do we just want to be there for the glory moment and then disappear? God doesn't call us to be there for the glory moment and disappear. God doesn't call us to live in our own little bubble and never see people come to know him. Never see the consistent accountability of guiding and leading and discipling someone in a relationship with Christ. He calls us to relationship specifically. He calls us to impact to see the impact that others have had on their lives. My youth pastor, who's been my youth pastor since I was 15, and now I'm 32, and he's still my youth pastor. He calls us to lifetime impact. He calls us to be burdened. But how do we do that? How do we be burdened? How do we create impact? And I think it's easy sometimes to stir up feelings, and I'm a counselor, so I mean, I live in feelings. It's easy to stir up feelings. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's get super excited about it. But unless we put practical steps to it and we live it out in the everyday, it's not going to make a difference. The first thing that we have to do is we have to disciple ourselves. And this means that we have to learn to spend time with God in a way that is intentional. 
I know sometimes in youth ministry with our teenagers, we're teaching them how to disciple themselves, teaching them how to, to be intentional in that relationship with God. And it's so easy to check a box and say, you know what? I spent time with Jesus today. It was good. Three whole minutes. Felt the Lord. But God isn't calling us to, to put a timer to it. God isn't calling us to say, oh, I checked a box today. Maybe I went on my version Bible app and I clicked the circle to let my friend know I completed the reading plan that we're doing together. He isn't calling us to do that. He's calling us to a life of intentionality, a relationship with him that's intentional. This means more than just praying for a few minutes and being done for the day. This means more than just being like, I pray all the time. Lord, help me not to get mad while I'm driving on the highway because those people, that construction, Lord, you and me, we're tight. We pray about the traffic every morning on my way to work. He asks us to be intentional. And not just in asking for things, but in being in his presence, in abiding in his presence and in his spirit. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, it says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And I don't know about you, but I think in America today, it's so easy to fill our lives with good things. They're not sin things. They're not bad things. Man, they're good things. But when those things start to push out the creator of the universe, when those things start to become our priority over the man who made all of heaven and earth, my gosh, we lose it. We lose that relationship. We lose the impact. We lose the intentionality of it. And it's so easy to be distracted by the noise of the world, the noise of the good things in our lives. And as we're intentional, we have to evaluate where our priorities are. We have to evaluate what's actually happening. Because I promise you that no matter what God has called you to do, if you refuse to be intentional in your relationship with him, he can only use you to a certain degree. And I know it's sometimes it's easy to think, well, I'm an adult. I've passed those like weird college, high school years where I have to like stress about my life and figure out my plan and all those things. Yeah, I've passed those too. But God is always calling us. It doesn't matter how old we are, God's always calling us. And maybe he's shifting a call. Maybe he's changing a call. Maybe he's birthing something new inside of you. But man, if we're not intentional in that relationship with God, if we're not really listening, really tuning in to what Jesus is saying, we're never going to know. Or if we do know, it's going to be a really small percentage of what he wants to show us. God wants to burden us for others. And when you're burdened, you understand impact in a different way. But like I said, he can't do that if you refuse to be discipled. In Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But if we can't receive the power of the Holy Spirit, if we can't receive the power of God, that burden's going to look a lot different. And it might just grate at our soul day after day after day. It might put us in a place where we're depressed. It might put us in a place where we're angry and we're frustrated and we don't know why we can't get any further in life than we are. 
We don't know why we're never satisfied with what we have. We don't know why we're never in a place where we're like, man, this is so fulfilling. And it's because we're refusing to be discipled. And we see the burden, and it's right there. But we can't get to it. Because we're refusing to live in that intentionality with Jesus. The next part of this, of creating that impact, is to learn to disciple others. And the very first part of this is learning to be burdened. Now, I tell you that God called me to youth ministry, but what I didn't actually tell you is that he called me to an entire generation. God spoke clearly to me, and he said, there are children that are running from God, and there are children that will be born in the years after you that are going to run from God, and you have to go, and you have to do something. And to me, I filled that blank with vocational youth ministry. And so you can imagine that when we moved here, I had a bit of an identity crisis. I worked here at the church for four years as the admin assistant. And it was fun, and I got to hang out, and I got to see a side of ministry from the administrative day-to-day side. But I was hurting. And I loved being in youth ministry every Sunday night. I loved the time we get to spend with students, but that was where my heart was. It was with the teenagers. And I struggled. And I said, God, who am I? Who am I really? What have you really called me to? Because this is not like... You can tell Pastor Scott, okay? He knows. Um, Loved that job. Loved the opportunity to work here at the church. But, man, I knew that wasn't it. And I remember struggling for four years. And I remember when I finally approached him and I said, I have to do something else. And he was like, yeah, I bless you. Go. And I was like, oh, it was that easy. I could have done this a long time ago. And, you know, it was crazy because I really started to pray and I started to say, God, what? What is it really? Was it youth ministry? Or was it the teenagers? And I started to realize that, man, God didn't call me to a what. He called me to a who. And I think sometimes in our minds, in our hearts, we're so called to the what. We're so called to the position, to the job. But God is saying, who am I calling you to? And, man, when you get that, when you get the who, the what just fills itself in. If you had told me the day I graduated from my undergrad that I would be doing what I'm doing right now, I would literally laugh in your face. We were lined up for graduation rehearsal, and I turned to Josh Jans, and I said, babe, we never have to go to college again. Well, joke's on me, because when I was 26, I started a master's program. And then... My master's program morphed into two completely different careers, which I'm still doing, and I love. And this call of being burdened for teenagers more than anything, man, it's been crazy. Because I've got kids who sit in my office every week. They don't want to know about Jesus. But they want to know what I think about their lives. And I get to share Jesus with them. Now, I'm not overtly like, let's pull out our Bibles and read through John 4. No. But I get, to, I get to be a sounding board for them. I get to be a safe place for teenagers. And here's the beautiful thing about being burdened, is that it doesn't have to look the same forever. Maybe when you were 15, maybe when you were 18, when you were 21, maybe there was something that you felt called to. 
a group of people that you felt called to, and you're sitting here now thinking, yeah, but that's not it anymore. That's okay. That is absolutely okay. Because you know what? Jesus is not in the business of giving us a call and then being like, well, that's it. Good luck. Bye. No. Jesus is a continuous, he's in a continuous call with us, a continuous place of of refining those things and showing us what it is that he has for us. And I can tell you right now that the call on my life has started to change. It's always going to be teenagers. That will always be the core for me. But I've started to understand that the Lord has increased our capacity. He's increasing our, Josh and I's capacity together for more things. To me personally, he's starting to call me to the families of ministers. To ministers who are struggling with depression and anxiety. What I haven't told you is that I had a mentor in my life that committed suicide. Because the darkness in his life outshone the light that he knew was true. And it broke me. Because I already knew that Jesus was calling me to that. I already knew that this beautiful uh, creation and conglomeration of mental health in the church was coming together. I already knew that Jesus was doing things in my heart with that. I know that there's a reason that I'm an ordained minister and a licensed professional counselor. I know that's not an accident. I know that there's a reason that I have spent 10 plus years in youth ministry and now I'm working in mental health in conjunction with that. And God is starting to shift some of those things inside of me. And it's cool. It's a little scary. I don't know what it looks like, but I don't have to yet. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, maybe God is speaking something new to me. Maybe he is burdening me for something new or someone new. And it doesn't have to be an entire generation of teenagers. It could be the person who sits next to you at work. It could be your sibling. It could be your spouse. God can shift those things in our life. And I think he wants to because he sees that as we grow and we mature and we become different people, he is actually equipping us to do more things for him to sometimes do different things for him. And we have to be open and willing to hear that. But you know what? We're not going to be willing to hear that or able to hear that if we're not being intentional in our relationship with him to begin with. When God burdens you for someone, there is nothing more greeting than being burdened and doing nothing about it because it eats at you. My father used to do medical missions. My dad is a podiatrist. Um, He used to do medical missions in Guatemala before I was born. And when I was born, when my little brother was born, he and my mom stopped doing that. And there was always a dissatisfaction in him. And I firmly believe it was because he was being called to something that he wasn't doing. And there was always this searching and this longing for something else. And what do I do? And this isn't enough. And I've got to do something else. And he was all over the place at times. And I think it was because he was just searching for the thing that he already knew he was supposed to do. And so when God burdens us for something, when God burdens us for someone, man, we have to be intentional about that. And not just say, well, that's cool. I'd love to work with teenagers. What are you going to do about it? 
What do the feet on the ground actually look like? What do the steps actually look like to get into that place, wherever it might be, and reach whoever it is that God has called you to reach? If it's your coworker, cool. What are you going to do about it? If it's your sibling, wonderful. What are you going to do about it? Whatever it is, man. Instead of, we, we have to be burdened. We've got to be intentional with that burden. God doesn't give us a burden for no reason. He doesn't give us a burden just to be like, hmm, that feels great. I feel burdened by the Lord. It's so wonderful. That's great. Cool. What are you going to do about it? Because unless we refuse to put our boots on the ground and actually take steps towards the calling and the intentionality that he has for us, that call serves no purpose except to make us feel good. You're not reaching anyone just feeling good about loving teenagers. I can feel good about loving teenagers all the time, but until I look them in the face and tell them how much I love them, until I spend life with them and invite them into my life, I'm not fulfilling anything. I've got to put my boots on the ground. You've got to put your boots on the ground and say, okay, what am I going to do to fulfill that call? How am I going to be intentional about it? In 1 John 4, 19 through 20, it says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And I think sometimes it's easy to hate our neighbor. I think it's easy to, oh, that's, I, I feel for those teenagers. I feel for those people. I feel for that population. I'm not going to do anything about it, but I feel for them. What is that saying about our relationship with God? What is that saying about how much we really love and really trust what Jesus has for us? How much do we really believe that Jesus died for our sins if we refuse to go impact the people that he's calling us to? Because let me tell you, if you refuse to go impact the people that he's burdened you to, I would almost venture to say that Man, maybe the importance of the cross is not that important to you. And that's a really probably offensive thing for me to say on stage right now. But it's the truth. And it's like when we live with that intentionality, when we live with that purpose and that calling in our lives, we can never stop sharing the truth of the cross. We can never stop being burdened for others. We can never stop seeing that's who I'm called to right now. And you know what? In a year or two, it might look different. But man, when we overflow that intentional relationship with Jesus, when we overflow that burden that he has placed on us, we cannot stop. Because it's so heavy. It's so strong in our lives. And I would encourage you, if you are in a place right now and you're like, I don't know who he's burdening to me for, ask him to do it. Because he will, and it'll be a little bit crazy. I remember as a, as a college student, I, I knew I was called to youth ministry. In my freshman year of college, I called my grandmother, who was an evangelist, and I said, I need you to pray because I'm about to call your daughter, my mom, and tell her that I'm called to be a missionary in India. And she was like, okay, let's pray right now. And she, my little southern grandma, she prayed over me. She did not call her daughter. I called her daughter next. And I said, hey, mom, um, I think God is calling me to be a missionary in India. And very uncharacteristically, my mother said, okay. And I was like, yeah, that was Jesus. And you know what? And then I went to India. 
I led a trip of college students to India. And I recognized that I was always going to be burdened for India. But that wasn't the main thing. And it was actually really eye-opening because I was willing to go and willing to explore that, willing to feel that burden and know that, yeah, one day I probably will take students back there. I probably will take college students back there. I would love to take all of you there. But I also knew that that wasn't the thing. And I also knew that I was called to teenagers. And I remember very vividly one night in my room in college that I said, God, I know that this is who I'm called to. I know I'm called to teenagers. Let me feel. Be very careful if you ask the Lord this. I said, let me feel the burden that you have for them. And I hit the ground. Because literally the weight of the Holy Spirit in that room was so heavy that I could not physically stand up. It was so heavy. And I was on the floor, on my face crying, and I physically could not stand up. And I knew in that moment that that was just a fraction of what God felt for our teenagers. That was just a fraction of the burden that he had that he was trying to put on me so that I would understand the urgency behind what he was calling me to, behind who he was calling me to. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't feel a burden If you don't feel a call to make an impact, God has something for you. And if you ask him, it's going to feel crazy. It's going to be a little little heavy maybe. But that's exactly what he wants. Because he wants you to understand his brokenness. Because when you understand how heartbroken he is for that person, nothing's going to stop you. Nothing will stop you because you're going to understand what the Lord's heart feels like when it breaks for that person. What the Lord's heart feel like, feels like when it breaks for whoever it is that he's burdening you for. We have to be burdened. We have to be intentional. And we have to be consistent. Like I said before, we can't just get them saved or be moved by God and then leave it all at that. I have seen plenty of giant God movements. We've been at youth camp for 10 years. I've had kids on the floor, on their face, crying boogers all over their face because it's so gross and so glorious. Man, I've seen crazy things. I've seen God heal students. I've seen depression and anxiety be removed. I've seen physical bodies be healed. I've seen so many things. I've seen lives completely changed at our services, at our retreats, at our camps, on missions trips. But I don't get to leave it as that. As the steward of the students that God has called us to, we don't get to leave it at that and be like, mm, that is so good that you experienced Jesus. Praise the Lord. See you later. No. God calls us to be consistent. He calls us to continue to impact that person's life even after that big moment. My youth pastor never let me stop loving Jesus. I mean, I was... My parents got divorced when I was 15, and that's when I actually started going to youth group. And I remember he was there for a while before that, and he kept bothering me, trying to get me to come to youth group. It was so annoying. And I didn't want to go. And I was like, okay, Matt, whatever. And I wouldn't go, and I wouldn't go, and I wouldn't go. And then I went. But he didn't leave it at that. He didn't say, cool, you're here. Bye. He invested in my life. 
And then because of that, I kept coming. Because of that, I sat in an extremely early morning prayer at 6.30 a.m. at my youth group, and the Lord called me into ministry right there by myself. I wasn't in a crazy service. I wasn't in a, a crazy thing that was happening. I sat right there, and he said, I'm calling you to this generation. And I kept fighting the Lord on it, told Matt about it, kept telling Jesus no. And Matt kept putting things in my path. At one point, as a senior in high school, I was running middle school services because he saw the call on my life and he chose to have a consistent impact in my life. And I think it's easy to celebrate. Obviously, we want to celebrate when something happens for the person that we're burdened for, for the people that we're burdened for. We should celebrate because that's God moving. We should give him that glory. But we can't leave it at that and be like, well, my work here is done. Thank you, Lord. We can't leave it at that. God's calling us to be consistent. He's calling us to, to keep moving and entering into a consistent, accountable, discipling relationship with them. And one of the coolest parts about youth ministry, in the, I, I would say like in the season we're in right now, one of the coolest parts about youth ministry is when kids get this age, and they're, they're teenagers, and they're in upper high school, and we've had them since they were little. Wesley, how old were you when we got here? Five or six. Yeah, Wesley was five or six when we got here, and now he's, like, going to be a senior. The coolest part is when we get to see that happen, and then they become adults, and we don't ever leave them, and we're their youth pastors forever, and it's so cool. And we have so many students who are in their 20s that are in this church right now that we have been able to disciple, and we get to keep doing it. And you know what? They're not teenagers anymore, but the same call is still there. The same burden is still there. And one day they're going to be 40, and I'm still going to feel like they're my teenagers, and I'm going to love them forever. And God doesn't call us to this short-lived thing He's calling us to reciprocate the impact that has been made in our lives. And it's not going to be an easy thing. It's not going to be something that just happens by chance. We have to be so intentional. We have to die to parts of ourselves. But man, when he does it, it's so cool. We've got students now who are serving as missionaries in Budapest, Hungary. And it's so cool. They met in our youth group. And they got married. They lived in Alaska for a while, and now they're missionaries, doing youth ministry of all things. And let me tell you, those two, I never thought they would do youth ministry, and they're rocking it. And now they get to impact other students. And they get to reciprocate that impact that we were able to have in their lives because God burdened us for them. So we've got to be consistent and intentional in these relationships with people. And maybe right now you're sitting here and you're like, I have people in my life that I've been burdened for. I have people that I have seen God move in. And I saw them get saved and I said bye. And now we haven't talked in three years. Or I have people that, man, God is really burdening me for, but I'm being a little bit half-hearted about it. And God is saying, we can't do that. We've got to be intentional. We've got to reciprocate the impact that God has had in our lives, that other mentors have had in our lives. Because what is the point if we refuse to reciprocate it?
And then the final thing is to walk forward in trust and faith. If you don't know where to go from there, if you don't know what the next step is, or even if you do, you have to walk forward in trust and walk forward in faith. Because here's the thing, God is not looking to follow your plan. Okay, I don't know if you know me very well, but I'm very type A. And when I was in seventh grade, I decided my entire future. Then Jesus laughed at all of it, and none of it has happened. Um, and there have been so many times, I think at this point in my life, like, I don't even plan things. I'm like, okay, Lord, whatever. Ha, 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 we're just making jokes over here because you're going to do whatever you want anyways. Um, but, man, there was a long time in my life where I planned every single piece of my life down to the wire. And then Jesus laughed at me, and he made his own plan. He's not looking to follow your plan. He's looking for you to follow his plan. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I know maybe it's cliche, but I think if we really think about the words of this verse, let it stick to you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God already knows. And we try so hard to fill in all the blanks and fill in the way of like, oh, I'm going to do this, and this, I'm going to do this, and this is what's going to happen, and one day I'm going to run my own uh, nonprofit organization for this thing, and it's going to be great and all this. God already knows. And he's saying, man, if you would just listen to me, I already know. I already know what's going to happen. You've got the burden. And it doesn't matter how far you're into that plan or what that looks like. God has the burden, and he knows. He knows the plan. There have been times in Josh and I's ministry together where we felt like, man, this is it. This is the thing. This is all the things, and we are good, and we love it. And there would be things that he would speak to us, and we would say, okay, that makes sense. This is how we're doing that. And then God says, no, 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 no. There's so much more. Just hold on and be intentional because you might think that you're fulfilling what it is, but, man, he may have even more than you could ask or imagine. Years ago, God called us to lead leaders. Very clearly spoke that to Josh and I. We were youth pastors here already, and we knew that there was no shift, obviously, in being youth pastors. But we didn't know what that looked like for the future. We just kind of held on to it. And now it's cool. Because we've got students who are leaders and have been for years that have been with us since they were seventh graders. And we're getting to lead leaders. We're getting to see ministry reciprocated in their lives. We're getting to see them do the things and be the leaders. And we're getting to see that call fulfilled. And I tell you, when God called us to that, he gave us that burden five years ago, whatever. There were already things that were happening that we were like, oh, yeah, Josh is mentoring some other youth pastors. He's doing some stuff with our district. I'm doing some stuff with our district. Feels like we're doing the things. And God said, hold on. There's even more. And sometimes we put it in a box. We put the call and the who and all these things in a little box. Sometimes, you know, I, I've talked to students who have felt called to ministry, and they put it in the vocational ministry box. And they say, do I need to quit everything and do vocational ministry? I say, you need to wait. Because God, God can have you do ministry, but it might look different than what you think it is. 
We have students now who are doing ministry, well, they're adults. We have adults now who were students that are doing ministry in this church. And for them, it is the ministry that God has called them to for this time. Students that were going to quit everything because they thought that they had to fit into the box. But God stripped all that away. And he said, no, this is what it is. And so that's why it's so important, instead of focusing on the what, the position, the job, the title, we have to focus on the who. Because, man, when we focus on the who, God fills in everything else. And we just get to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, we have to be intentional. We have to take the steps forward. We have to do the things forward. We have to keep walking in trust and keep walking blindly, it seems at times. But you see, we only see sometimes two, three steps down the road. Sometimes we only see one step down the road. Sometimes what looks like a kink in our plans is actually God directing something crazy. I remember right after I had Sawyer, I was in grad school. It was a rough time in my life. And um, I missed a deadline for my internship. And like I said, I'm type A. It ruined my plan. I was really stressed out. And so it actually made it where I was going to graduate one semester later. And I called my university. I said, hey, can we change this? Can I still have the internship at this time? Like I missed it by like a whole month because I was a new mom and life was chaotic. And they said, no, you can't actually, sorry. <laughs> and I remember getting, I laugh about it now. I was crying then. I got off the phone with the university. I looked at Josh and I said, I ruined my whole life. And he was like, oh, Lord, not again. <laughs> like, he's used to this. He's used to Liz and the planning and the, all the things. And then uh, panicking, you know, it was great. And he was like, okay, yep, me, I'm probably not, Liz. And I'm like, no, I have. Because you know what's wild? Is that I was going to graduate in December instead of in May. And I was going to school to be a school counselor. My master's is in education and school counseling. Uh, I was going to school to be a school counselor. And I said, who's going to hire a school counselor in January? No one. I'm going to have no job. And then someone's going to see that I haven't worked for six months. And they're not going to hire me in August because that's embarrassing. Why haven't I worked for six months? No one is going to hire me. I've ruined my entire life. What am I doing? And Josh, he's so patient. He was like, no, I don't, I don't think that's it. But okay. He was like, let me have my moment. And then I got to thinking. And I was like, you know what? My university has been offering these classes where you can also get your professional counseling license. And I was like, that seems silly. Why would I add 12 more hours to my master's program? But okay. Here's the craziest part. I graduated in December. I was not a school counselor at that time. Finished my internship December 14th or so, around that time. Had Charlotte one month later. God knew. He totally knew. And it's like, I laugh about it now because it's like I literally tried to make a plan and he giggled at me and then he made it work how he wanted. I thought I ruined my life, y'all. I cried and told Josh everything was ruined. No one was going to hire me as a school counselor, whatever. And here's the coolest part. The school that I interned at, I was still close with them. The, the principal was wonderful. He's a Christian. It was so great. It was like beautiful things, okay? We knew that God had like, Place me in the school for a reason, that there was like God, divine appointments for me being in the school. And then I remember getting a call in April from the woman that I had interned with. And she said, Liz, how are you doing? You know, how's the baby? Whatever. We talked to her for a little bit, and she said, hey, um, I'm moving schools. I want you to take my job. And it was wild. 
So the same place that I had interned, the same place where I already knew a bunch of people, a bunch of staff, all of that, man, God ordained that timeline. I got to work with some great people for a great boss. God already figured it all out. He literally knew. And now my son gets to be in that school system. And I still get to work in the same school system, but in a different campus where my son goes to school every day. God knew. And we try to plan. We know what we're burdened for. We know what, what it feels like, how heavy it is. But man, we try to put it in this box. We constrain what he has. We constrain what he's got for us. And I would encourage you, whatever it is that, who, whoever it is that you're burdened for, don't try to put it in a box. Pray about it. Ask him to burden you. Ask him to let you feel that a little bit first. And then say, okay, God, what's the next step? And you don't need the end step. You don't need the final, big picture, beautiful thing. You just got to take one step at a time. With this call that he started to put on my heart for ministers and their families, I have no idea what it's going to look like. I, have, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing this time next year. I know I'm following Jesus. And it's scary to be in that place because uh, as we get older, we've got families and, and spouses and, and bills and homes and all of these things to take care of. And it's scary to not know. It's scary to walk forward and be like, okay, God, feels a little silly. Whatever. But man, he's already got it figured out. All we have to do is trust him. All we have to do is walk forward and say, okay, I have, I have trust in you. I have faith. We don't see it all. But man, he does. Your impact does not have to be finite. It doesn't have to fit in a box. And it can and it will be bigger than you could ever ask or imagine. But you have to trust him first. I remember a moment in my life, I feel like my whole life has been a lot of like, okay, make a plan, just kidding, Jesus, do the thing. I remember uh, a graduation from my undergrad. God kind of started to reveal something to me about like, man, I'm calling you to this thing, but I can't tell you what it is right now because you're going to mess it up. And I was like, no, I won't. Tell me what it is, God. And he's like, no, I can't. And he's right, because I would have messed it up. And I think that God sometimes wants to reveal little pieces to us because there's growth and impact that happens along the way. And if we know the final thing, if we know the last thing, sometimes we're going to be so quick to get there that we forget about all the impact that he wants us to have right now in these moments with these people that he's calling us to right now. And so maybe in the future you're called to someone else. But right now he's got someone specific for you. Maybe a group specific for you. And as we pray here in just a minute, I want you to really think about who it is that he's burdened you for. Who it is. Ask him to, to let, let you feel that burden. Ask him to let you feel the brokenness that he feels. And ask him what the next step is. Man, when you start doing it, don't stop. Don't just be like, well, that was cool that one thing happened. You got to be consistent. He's not calling us to, 
to love people for a minute. He's calling us to, to community instead of complacency. He's calling us to, to walk out the long journey with people, not the moments. Be in the moments, but don't miss the whole journey because that's important. And when we're in the whole journey with someone, that's how we see that impact reciprocated over and over and over again. Man, and before you know it, the people you've impacted are going to impact people everywhere. But it's not even for that. It's for the glory of God to be shown over and over and over again. So let yourself be burdened. I want to leave you with one um, last verse here. Psalms 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I re- I'm in a leadership cohort this year a nationwide women's leadership cohort called Prevail. And um, the speaker, we have a monthly Zoom call, and she was talking about basically the same kind of thing. Who is God calling you to? What does it look like? What's that impact? Where, where is he calling you to after the who? All those things. And, and she brought up something like this, and she was like, you know, if you really do feel like you're going to die in Africa to go be a missionary, like, and, and that's really, really, really not the desire of your heart, She's like, God wants to give you the desire of your heart. And I know sometimes we make these jokes about like, oh, never say never. God's going to call you to be an African missionary, whatever. You know, I know we, we make those jokes, but I really do believe that God creates us in unique ways that are attuned to reach the people we're supposed to reach. I have friends that impact people that I could never and would never want to impact I also have friends that are like other counselors, and they're like, I don't know how you work with teenagers. I literally can't stand them. And I'm like, really? I like them better than adults sometimes. I love all of you. Love those guys more. Um, But, just kidding, maybe. Um, But I think that God, he uniquely creates us. Scripture says that, that as he calls us, he equips us. And I think that there are already things inside of us that are stirring, that are connected to the people that we are burdened for. I really feel that if, man, I, I somehow really, really hated teenagers, I don't, I don't know that Jesus would have been like, well, too bad. Go do it. No, I love teenagers. Sometimes I dress like one. It's so fun. I love hanging out with them. I love doing life with them. I love getting to have them be a part of my lives. And not every one of you feel like that, and that's okay. Because that's who I'm burdened for. And whoever you're burdened for, God has actually uniquely created these things to be the desires of your heart. And he's going to bring it into this beautiful place where you're like, I am so fulfilled right now. I am loving what I'm doing. I am loving where I'm at. I'm loving who I'm reaching and how I'm reaching them. Because it's the desires of your heart. And Jesus loves us enough to do that for us. So we're going to pray. Like I said, think about who it is that you're burdened for. How you can disciple yourself to be the most intentional in your relationship with God. To understand that burden and be effective in reaching that person or those people. And then God, how can I walk forward in trust? How can I walk forward in faith? 
and what it is that you're wanting me to do in this moment, in this season of my life. So let's pray. God, I thank you for speaking to us. Lord, I thank you for the things that you have for us. And Father, I thank you that it's different for every one of us. I thank you that it's not the same at all. Lord, that you love us and you've uniquely created us. There are desires in our hearts, and, and there are things, that are people that we are being burdened for right now, God, and I pray that you would make those things so clear, Lord, and that we would understand that if we want to reach the people that we are burdened for, God, we've got to be intentional in that relationship with you. We've got to be uh, focused and prioritized in that relationship with you, God, because what good are we? Lord, if we're not intentional, what good are we if we're not discipling ourselves in your presence and your power, God? And Lord, as we are burdened, Father, I pray that you would move us forward with boldness, God, without fear, without hesitation. Lord, that you would move us for, for, forward with that consistency to not see the one moment and be gone, but to, to see the long journey happen. To be there for the relationship, for the community and not the complacency, God. And God, I pray that even as we're trying to figure out next steps, even as we're trying to understand what it is that you have for us in this season of our lives, whether it's the same as the last season or not, God, that you would help us to walk forward and trust, even if that feels scary and silly and blind and whatever it might be, Father, help us to walk forward in that. Because you know us. You've got it all figured out, and we don't have to, to plan it out. We just get to open our eyes and understand your plan. Help us to have trust, God. Help us to have faith, God, that you will do it, that you will bring it to fruition, God, and that you will give us um, the knowledge and the wisdom to keep moving forward with those people in life and to keep moving forward into a place where we see you continually calling us, continually burdening us, and continually moving in us, God. And, Lord, I pray that this week, Lord, that this week that we would be able to speak to whoever it is that we're burdened for. And in that moment, Lord, that it would be such an incredible divine appointment. And that we would have no fear. That we would have no hesitancy. But that this week you would begin that process in our lives. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you are, God. For all the ways that you love us and you call us, Jesus. And that you would just move in us, each of us, in such a mighty way, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right, everyone take out their phones, text Pastor Scott, Scott, we need Liz to preach some more, all those things. Scott, you should get some pink pants like Liz. Might be cute, I don't know. All right, uh, thank you guys for coming. You got out 15 minutes earlier. So there you go.